Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Praise God. I, I want to talk to you tonight about money. Money, money, money. Hallelujah. We'll cover a few things. And see what God has for us this evening. Got a few little stories and anecdotes to share with you and poems and, and some word and we'll get it all done. A gentleman by the name of Richard Armour wrote a little poem one day. He said, workers earn it, spendthrifts burn it. Bankers lend it, women spend it. Forgers fake it, taxes take it. The dying leaves it, heirs receive it. The thrifty save it, misers crave it. Robbers seize it, the rich increase it. Gamblers lose it, and I sure could use it. Hallelujah. Two Irishmen were traveling the Holy Land, and they came up to the Sea of Galilee, and they discovered that it was going to cost them $50 apiece to ride a boat across the Sea of Galilee. And, and they, you know, they started complaining to, to the boat captain and the gentleman who was selling the tickets and said, you know, the lakes of Killarney and our home, our home country are, are the most beautiful lakes in the world, and, you know, you can cross that for just a few shillings. And the guy looked at him and said, yeah, but Jesus walked on this lake. And the Irishman looked at him and said, for the prices that you charge, I can understand why. You know, after looking at a bill for an operation, it's no wonder that most people realize why doctors wear masks in surgery. Happiness is getting a bill that you've already paid so you can write a nasty letter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Billy Graham was speaking in the San Jose area at one time, and on the closing day of his meeting, he told this story. It seems there was a strong man who traveled with a circus. And one of his most impressive stunts was to take an orange and squeeze every last drop of juice out of it. And then he would offer $1,000 to anyone who could manage to squeeze out as much as one additional drop. He went from town to town making that offer and nobody was able to do it. Nobody could ever win the $1,000 prize. Then one day he came to this small town in California, made his demonstration, squeezed all the juice out of the, the orange and made the offer, if anybody can come up and squeeze one drop out of this. So I'll give you $1,000. This little 98-pound weakling-looking uh, gentleman came up and he picked the orange up and he began to squeeze and he got six drops of juice out of it. The strong man looks at him and says, how in the world did you do that? The little man looks at him and said, I'm the treasurer at the church down the road. We've been doing this for years. 
Well, Rogers once said that Alexander Hamilton originated the put-and-take system in our national treasury. The taxpayers put it in, and the government takes it out. Billy Graham said that Jesus talked a great deal about money and the problems that it caused man. In fact, one-fifth of all that Jesus had to say was about money. A man by the name of Howard Dayton Jr. wrote in Leadership Volume 2, number 2, said Jesus talked a great deal about money. Sixteen of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money or possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of ten verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Word of God says a whole lot about money, doesn't it? So we're going to try and say a little bit about it this evening. If you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Matthew chapter 19. <coughs> You'll have to excuse me if I cough a little bit. I had to wear a mask quite a bit today. And when I do, I cough. Be glad when I finally get delivered from them. Either the cough or the mask. I don't care either one. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 19, verse 17. I'm reading out of the uh, New King James. It says, now he was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that's God. You know his commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother and Jesus. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to them, See, we've left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who should not receive a hundredfold now and this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. 
Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful tonight, Lord, for the opportunity to come to your house. Lord, to gather with your people, Lord, for just a few minutes to share in your word, Lord. We just honor you tonight, God. We thank you, Lord. Ask you, Father, that you let us speak truth, Lord God. Let us speak life, Lord God. Let us speak light, Lord. Father, let the people receive it. Hide it in our hearts, Lord, that we might not sin against you, Lord. We honor you, God, for everything that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for moving tonight, God. We just praise you for your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So money matters. Yes, it does. You know, the scripture we just read, God made it a requirement for salvation. He told, told the little, the rich young ruler that came to him, and, you know, he told him, he said, you know, you know all the commandments. And he said, you know, Lord, I've done all these things from my youth up. I always do these. These are no problem for me. Okay, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. But there was a problem with the rich young ruler and why he was sad and why he was brokenhearted. It wasn't because he had so many things, but it was, but it was because the so many things that he had had him. People hate sermons on money. We do. It, it's human nature. We don't like people telling us how that we ought to be giving, how that we ought to be paying things, how we ought to be doing things. We don't like to be told that. <clears throat> but there's an old saying, money's like manure. You spread it around, it does a lot of good, but you pile it up, it stinks to high heaven. So what we got to do is we got to learn to get it because God wants to bless us. God wants to give to us, but we got to have our hands open to receive from God, but we can't, it's like pastor was saying when he was ministering on, on tithing, the, the, the principle of tithing on Sunday, you know, we can't close our fist and hold on to it. We got to be willing to be a conduit for it. We got to be willing to allow God to say, okay, do this, do that, give to this one, give to that one, bless this one, bless that one. And when we do that, when we allow God to use us for, as a conduit to bless people, then He enlarges us and He gives us more to give with, and more to bless with, and more to do with. We've got to spread it around. Oswald Sanders wrote in the book, A Spiritual Clinic, money is one of the acid tests of character. And a surprising amount of space is given to it in the scripture, whether a man is rich or poor. Observe his reaction to his possessions. And you've got a revealing index of his character. So what happens is um, we have to learn to listen to God's instructions on money. We've got to be willing to, to listen to God and hear what he has to say about money and a, a thing, things that he, we have. Because what happens is we get caught up in materialism. We get caught up in things and having things. 
and wanting things and trying to get things until things start to get us. But materialism minimalizes us. It minimalizes our maturity. You know, we, we're reading there, Matthew chapter 19, verses 20 and 21 said, and he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Lord, I've done them. I've kept all these commandments. These aren't a problem for me. I do all these things. Then Jesus looked at him. Notice the next two words. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. He didn't tell him to give away everything that he had. He said, you know, go sell what you have, give to the poor. Didn't say give everything to the poor. He just said give to the poor. Come take up your cross and follow me. But that rich young ruler is like a lot of people today. They find their value in their material possessions. You know, we get caught up as human beings measuring ourselves by how much our job pays a year. We get caught up in how much our home is worth. Especially now, it's a seller's market. How much is your home worth? There's a lot of people selling houses now that would never thought about selling houses before just because of the money they're going to get out of them. They don't realize they're going to have to buy another one. They get caught up in how much money they have in stocks. And Everybody winds up living from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, just barely getting by because we take the time to create a budget. Brother Darrell, you cussing now. Budget's a bad word. Believe me, I know. I create a budget and I blow it. And I create a budget and I blow it. I create a budget and I blow it when the budget is supposed to be you telling your money where it's going. But a lot of times we get ourselves so out of control that we lose control of our money and we don't know what we're going to do from paycheck to paycheck a lot of times. And how are we going to live? How are we going to do what? What are we going to do? You know, Christmas is coming in December. It comes every year in December. and People act, act all surprised because Christmas is coming in December. All the kids' birthday is coming up. It comes every year. But we get so caught up in life and everything that's going on, we forget to plan for things. You know, we get so caught up in things and, and things begin to get us and, and begin to, to possess us, you know. We, we don't, we're not enjoying our lives because we've been so busy trying to get things that we got to work ourselves to death to pay for the things that we got that we couldn't afford to start with so that we're not enjoying what we've got. But here's the thing. Earthly wealth can corrode and be taken away. 
Matthew 6, 19 says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Possessions get eat up. That's the literal meaning of rust. What does rust do? It eats up steel. It eats up metal. Don't let your possessions rust. You know, there was a story in the Weekly World News back in March of 1989. A couple by the name of Vic and Lillian Cooper of Maltby, England, had lived on welfare all their married life. Then the missus won $77,481 in a bingo jackpot. And they lost their ever-loving minds. So they won $77,000. They spent $6,300 on a used car. They spent $7,200 on a travel trailer so that they could go on vacation. Spent $7,200 on furniture for their house that they had been renting. And then they spent $56,781 on miscellaneous things. Most of those were gifts for family and for the little four-year-old son that they had never been able to afford to buy gifts for. So here they are, they, they win this money, and like I said, they just lose their ever-loving minds, and four months later, it's all gone. After four months, they've spent all the money. That $77,000 is gone in four months, and now they've had to sell. They got to go on vacation and use that travel trailer, but now they've had to sell the travel trailer because they're out of money. They've had to sell the used car that they bought because they're out of money. So all the money's gone, they apply for welfare again. They're behind on their rent. At that time, they're living on 49 pounds a week. That's what's, you know, they're, they're, they're in England, so it's by pounds. So they're... <clears throat> They're 144 pounds behind on, on the rent. They, they're living on 49 pounds a week, and that includes a 13-pound government allowance and a loan that they got from somebody. Vic said this. He said, it's very difficult when you get money for the first time in your life to not go out and spend it. So we used to just look at the shop windows and we're never able to afford anything. But when we got the money, we spent it all. Money got a hold of them. The welfare authorities in their town said it'd be a cold day, you know where, before they got any help. Because they wasted all that. So no help's coming. Money got them. And, you know, uh, most of the things that we buy and we get don't have a lot of value, but the value that it has doesn't last a lot of time. So there's very few things that you can buy that doesn't depreciate over time. <clears throat> Reverend Don Holdsapple, 
A Baptist preacher tells a story on himself about the time he received a call from a woman that was upset because her cat had passed away. Cat's name was Homer, and she wanted the preacher to conduct a funeral service for Homer. Holzapple explained that was a little outside of his line of specialty, so he referred her to a friend, a Presbyterian pastor, at a church down the street. And then later on, that afternoon, he found out that the Presbyterian preacher had referred her to the Methodist preacher, who had referred her to someone else. And then about an hour later, the lady calls him back, just upset and crying and distraught because nobody wants to do a funeral for a cat. And she just didn't know what she was going to do. And as she's in the course of just pouring her out, out her heart to it, she tells Reverend Holzapple, you know, I was going to give $1,000 to the church that the minister did the funeral for Homer. And the preacher thought about it for a minute and responded back to her, well, why didn't you tell me he was a Baptist cat? Possessions eat us up. To a lot of people, wealth can be a replacement for God. You realize that most charitable giving is done by the middle and lower class? Now more, there might be more money given by wealthy people, but the largest percentage of giving, the largest percentage of income given is done by middle and lower class. You know, possessions can control our lives. We get into debt and debt just eats us up sometimes. We get our budgets from the credit agency. You know, we, how, how much do I owe? Okay, I got to figure this out. You know, people use credit cards for everything. And, and the bad thing is, instead of just buying things that, that are non-perishable, that aren't going to go away, using the credit cards, you know, you wind up with people who are buying groceries on credit cards and put gas in their car on a credit card and not able to pay the bills and the bills just keep getting higher and higher and higher and we get in a mess. You know, the um, average amount of credit card debt per cardholder, this is per person in the United States, the average person has $6,194 of credit card debt. Of course, some have more, some have less, some have none. Some are eat up with it. So if you had 100 people gathered together, you got over a half a million dollars in credit card debt piled up. And most of that was spent on things that are gone. But I want to tell you about a principle of God. Romans 13, 8. 
owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. You know, we've accepted the idea that we have to be in debt. We don't have to be in debt. We, we've, as a country, we've become accustomed to being in debt. And that's the way that we live. But what that does is that limits our giving. We owe for everything. And, and we're not able to give like we ought to be able to give. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. I'm not there. I got, I've got debt. Miss Shannon and I have debt. I'm sure you have debt. But wouldn't it be nice to get to the place where you didn't have that mess and you could give like you really want to? You could help somebody like you really want to. Deuteronomy 15 and 6 says this, For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. There's an old German proverb that says, He who borrows sells his freedom. And the thing that is, we can't take it with us. What we've got, we can't take it with us. We want to bless somebody. We want to do something. We want to, but we got to not be greedy. We got to send it on ahead of us. You know, and giving is a thermometer of our love. If we love, we give. John three sixteen. For God so loved that He gave. You know, it, like I said, you know, materialism limits, minimizes our maturity. It, it minimizes our ministry. You know, Jesus told the rich young ruler, go sell and give. And then in verse 21, it says, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Spiritual wealth lasts forever. It doesn't depreciate. Can't be bought. Can't put a price on it. But our earthly wealth can be used for God's glory. Matthew 6, 19, 20 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your pastor ministered this past Sunday on the principle of tithing. You know, it's not about money. It's about understanding that God is sovereign and everything in this earth, God owns. God just wants us to give him back a little part of it. And he wants us to be cheerful about it. You know, I, I've seen people before when it comes offering time, man, they hide their face and they, they get grumpy and everything else, you know, God wants a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
How do you want to give? You want God to bless you? Give. It's not yours anyway. I've been in churches before where they were taking up an offering and you know, they passed the plate and the preacher got up there and so before this plate goes around, I got to say something. So listen here, you old fellow that's sitting there with that $100 bill folded and tucked up in the backside of your wallet so far that nobody knows it's there, and you wouldn't know it if you didn't remember that you put it there every once in a while. God wants you to give that tonight. You know how many old men got mad because they had to give a hundred dollars that night. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, God has a sense of humor. I'm reminded every day when I look in the mirror. But God wants us to be cheerful about giving. He wants us to give our tithe to the local church. Why? Because he wants to bless us. Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says, Will a man rob God, yet, let, yet you've robbed me? But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me. Even this whole nation bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing there, that there will not be room enough to receive it. You want to be blessed? Give your tithe. Be happy about giving your tithe. Don't just give your tithe, but bless somebody. Luke chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. This is in the Message Bible. So now here's a surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They're on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right. Using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so that you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. I want you to give. I want you to bless people. I want you to look for ways that you can bless somebody, that you can help somebody, that you can give to somebody, that you can help the less fortunate, that you can help somebody that's in not as good a place as you. And believe me, if you look around, you're going to find somebody that's not as well off as you are. But materialism will minimize our might. And Jesus told a rich young ruler, go sell, everything, everything, go sell what you have, give to the poor, Come take up the cross and follow me. He would rather have held on to his possessions than to hold on to the cross. Nichols Fox wrote in a Newsweek editorial one time that what we spend our money on shows what our values are. Our values are expressed by what we really do, not by what we wish for.
And he came back to say this. Churches have failed to mold our values because they've capitulated to the relativism of the world. In other words, churches have tried to become relevant to the world that they're living in so much that they're not preaching the principles of God and teaching the ways of God and trying to get people to understand that if you do what God has called you to do and you walk in the way that God has called you to walk and you do the things that God wants you to do as a Christian, you'd be blessed. You know, how many guns are in your closet? How many rod and reels? Ladies, how many shoes? How many purses? How much of that gets used regularly? The big question, what does God see in your checkbook? You take a look in your checkbook and you really look at it, you'll see where your heart is. Because where you're spending the most money is where your heart is. You know, God entrusts us with money as a test. Just like a toy with a child, it's a training for handling something a little bit more valuable. Matthew 6 and 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. We're going to serve one or the other. That's what the Word says. <clears throat> Some years ago, a wealthy automobile dealer in Tampa, Florida, was shot to death by his wife during a domestic dispute. This guy was a multi-millionaire, owned several big car lots in the Tampa area, and, and got into an argument, a domestic dispute with his wife, argument, and she killed him. When they arrested her, she said, it's all about the money. If we'd have never had the money, this would have never happened. The money got them instead of them having the money. Money causes fights everywhere. First fights in churches uh, about money. One of the worst things you can do is be on, be on a um, economic board in some churches. Gets ugly in there sometimes. Why? Because not everybody has the same idea about where the money ought to be going. And money has a sinister nature. It demands loyalty. The rich young ruler put it ahead of salvation. He was a good person in every other aspect, except he didn't want to give up his possession. And wealth has a seductive quality, and a lot of people give into it. But is the problem really wealth? Is the problem really money? No. Word of God says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Got to understand, possessions in themselves aren't evil. You can have things as long as things don't have you. All good things are from God. We know that from the Word. 
Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. And there's rich people all through the Bible. Joseph. Solomon. Daniel. Nicodemus. But wealth will tempt us to be obsessed. 1 Timothy 6. 7 through 10. Well, we'll read 6 through 10. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great dang. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We read just a few minutes ago, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. What's the proper place for it in your life? And as I was studying and reading and, and getting this together, and I'm going to close with this. As I read and I reread the story of that rich young ruler, as I was going through getting the message together tonight, and I was thinking about his obviously wrong choice. You know, Jesus told him, Go sell, give to the poor, come follow me. But that got me to thinking no matter how much wealth he had, he couldn't ride in a car. He couldn't have a surgery that he might want. He couldn't turn on a light. He couldn't buy penicillin. He couldn't watch TV. Couldn't wash dishes in a dishwasher. And running water. He couldn't type out a letter and print it out. He couldn't use a lawnmower to mow the lawn. He couldn't fly in an airplane. He couldn't sleep on a gel foam mattress. He couldn't talk on the phone. So if he was rich, then what am I? Just a little something to think about. Has money got you, or have you got money? Amen? Hallelujah. Facebook family, we're glad that you were able to join us tonight. ask you to join us again this Sunday morning at probably around 11 o'clock. We'll be here live at 1030. So come and join us. Be with us. God bless you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.